Hey, this is Word with Dave and Sam Clay. Sam. Oh, how's it going? <laughs> it's going really well. Thanks for asking. How's it going with you? Oh, it's going all right. You know, last podcast I gave you a choice. Yeah. You won't get any choice today. Oh, okay. I lost my privileges. <laughs> Take your choice away. Lost the privileges. But not because, yes, yeah, so it's not really a, a, any sort of degrading of your privileges or your status, for whatever that's worth. It's just that last week we had a choice between two articles. You picked the one that you thought was most interesting, at least by uh, the title of it. But I want to talk about the other one, so I'm not going to give you a choice. Right. We're going to go ahead and, and do the one that you didn't pick last week. Got to put it off. Yeah, well, that's okay. I mean, you can always go back and listen yeah, to I it. Yeah, always can go back. Do you know what the word perpetude... You're I, pretty good with language, uh, words, English. I'm not sure what... Perpetuity? It's a good word. It's a very interesting word. I can't say I know what it means. It goes on forever. My knowledge <laughs> seems to be lacking in the... Until the web really does break or crashes, this podcast will live on in infamy. Yep. Perpetuity. Is infamy a good word or is that a bad word? It'll be it'll be there. I think infamy is okay, yeah. infamy. That may not be so good. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it could work. According to Psychology Today uh, article, and I think that it's in October edition of Psychology Today. I want to make sure I quote this right. It is indeed the October 2021. Mm, up to date. Up to date. Or fairly close. Fairly close. Uh, an article written by Sebastian, Sebastian. Ochlenberg. Nice. PhD. Age of onset earlier than you think. Did you know that mental illness often sets in long before adulthood hits? Early treatment and preventative measures are both critical for optimizing mental health outcomes. In order to proactively spot symptoms and initiate treatment, psychologists need to know when disorders are most likely to appear. Yet the average age of onset for many common conditions has not been definitively established. New data aim to fill that gap by identifying the average global age of onset for different forms of mental illness. And in many cases, it's younger than commonly thought. In a meta-analysis published in the Journal of Molecular Psychiatry, don't you love these journals? <laughs> yeah, they use real big words. JAMA. Last, JAMA, last podcast, JAMA. it was JAMA. J-A-M-A. That's what you get from some of the PhD. You get these big words. Yes. Molecular Psychiatry. An international team of researchers assessed 192 studies comprising more than 700,000 patients diagnosed with a psychiatric disorder. Besides the age of onset for different disorders, the researchers also tracked the percentage of people who developed a disorder before the age of 14, 18, and 25. Overall, the peak age of onset was 14.5 years. Anxiety was among the earliest to appear with a median age of onset of 5.5 years. Depression, by contrast, set in around age 20.5 years. 
about 3.5, excuse me, about 35% of patients showed a disorder before the age of 14, 48% before the age of 18, and 63% before the age of 25. Many assume that mental health problems mostly afflict adults, but findings suggest for, for nearly half of patients, the disorders first manifest in the teen years or earlier. Underscoring the seriousness with which such challenges in kids and teens should be treated, the authors note. When youths show signs of poor mental health, parents may think that they will grow out of it. Letting go of these misguided ideas and on a larger scale prioritizing early intervention and preventative care worldwide will better ensure that vulnerable populations benefit from treatment. Age of onset, earlier than you think, mental illness often sets in long before adulthood hits. So, Sam Clay, in yeah. your expert opinion. My expert opinion. <laughs> I'm an expert. Now I've done one and I'm already an expert. <laughs> you hang out with me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, it and, makes me an expert. And some of our expertise would be mental health, behavioral health, right? I mean, at least that's mine, yeah. occupationally professionally. So I guess you know I could kind of extend that to you a bit. But just in your personal opinion, what do you think that's all about? I feel like just the uh, especially the anxiety one, I feel like at that age it's whenever everything starts like it's almost like your brain is starting to develop more and more. So you see things happening more and more and the more knowledge you gain could obviously could probably in my opinion contribute to more things that could give you worries and contribute to anxiety. 5.5 years old. It's pretty young. That's, that's pretty, it's a lot younger than I thought. That's pretty young. That's before you even really, as they might say, get started. So most of us, or at least most of us that suffer, I think according to this article, behavioral health concerns, and particularly those that might be identifiable uh, by the symptoms as that being anxiety or related anxiety, 5.5 years of age. Now you can't have lived much life by 5.5 years of age. Hey. And what life you're going to live, probably on the backside of that, uh, again that's pretty early so there's a lot of backside, you're going to spend your life having to contend with anxiety. That's a little bit of an overwhelming thought. Yeah, it can be it can be a bit concerning, especially that's happening that young and you're gonna have to deal with that the rest of your life is just pretty And according serious. to the American Psychiatric Association, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, most of these conditions, though that there are conditions that are childhood disorders, a lot of these, the age of onset is, as the article mentioned, uh, either unidentifiable or thought to be a little later on in life. And maybe that is confounded in part by the fact that development in general, uh, operational systems such as emotional operations, or with that the refinement that cognitive operations adds to the whole package of emotions and thoughts, uh, the cognitive development allows you to manage your emotions better, to think things through, not, to not be so reactive, to problem solve, make better decisions, come up with solutions, adds to your creativity, at least with some sort of pragmatic or practical or reality-based sort of con uh, context. But a lot of those years is filled full of emotions. 
confusion. So much is coming online. And if you also begin to look at the development of self, identity, who you are. Now, I don't know how many different versions of you there have been between 5.5 years and today for you. Uh, but for me, probably I've had at least several versions of myself. Phases. Reinvented right myself. That's what they say. Yes. They're phases. And you're making a great point, too. Developmentally, what we know, too, is that as people progress chronologically, age, there's some universal changes that take place. Your perspective on life changes. Your thoughts of yourself, your relationships, the relationships you have with others, the things, those things, activities, things that are important in your life change. Just the older you get, the more you can just like shape your personality and the more your brain develops, the more you can be interested in things, have, in have interests. And you're absolutely right. That would be what I would want to say to someone that came to see me with any sort of anxiety, depression. I'd say you have some choice in this. But when you're five, five and a half years old, your identity is yet to be fully developed. By the time you get to developing that sense of self or identity, which is really otherwise than some dimension of personality, you're already potentially locked into a way of doing things that now is always going to be flavored by not only the emotions or the emotion or emotions we identify as anxiety, but the way that it alters how you look at life. If you're afraid at 5.5 years, you're probably going to still be afraid of that same thing because you were affected so early. At 35 years yeah, of age. probably you were affected so early. That's At 40 gonna, years of age. Yeah, it's just going to keep affecting you. So the idea, and I agree with you on what you said, that you could change your, your ability to think and see objectively and make choices should allow you to change, but it's really very, very difficult to change personality. Yeah, just especially getting back to the anxiety thing and how it affects you, or just routines in general. If you start doing something, let's say you eat, I don't know, you eat a salad. Probably not me five-year-olds are going to be eating salad, but just for an example. So if five-year-old eats a salad a certain way, they eat it with like a spoon for some reason just because they... A did. spork. A spork. <laughs> spork, there you go. A spork. And they're using a spork because they either didn't have, I don't know, they just used it for some reason. And by doing that, they're so used to doing it that certain way, they're probably not really going to see any need for change. And that could be similar to the idea with the anxiety. If you're nervous around something or something makes you anxious and you avoid it, you're at such a young age, you may uh, keep avoiding it throughout your life. Right. Which then you'll never really overcome it. You'll never really, if you avoid it. Yeah, well, if you find ways around it, you're never going to need to change. That makes sense. But that's almost, I laugh, because that makes sense. But that's almost impossible because the way anxiety does work, though, it tends to spread. Yeah. And so it's not just a phobia. It would be, I'm going to put it on this one thing, right? And this one thing causes it. No, that's not really anxiety. Anxiety is something out there is going to get me. Something bad is going to happen. And then the way the human mind often works, typically works, is then we begin to look for those things. And then what should we find when we look for those things? But they're everywhere. 
And truly, if you looked at life and the risks associated with life, anything possibly could kill you. Not everything will kill you. And oddly enough, amazingly enough, most things don't kill you. Right? Most people would say, of course they're here, they're not dead. Most people would say, you know, it's amazing that I've survived. Right? After all yeah. of these years, chronology. But that in and of itself should alter your fear. Right? I'm a survivor. But we know that it doesn't always. And I'll, I'll give you an example and I'll give it back to you. So there's this thing called post-traumatic stress that has some of the essential elements as an extreme, but some of the same things that we've talked about thus far in the podcast. Something happens, causes a person to be afraid, and then in some measure or way they try to disassociate, to avoid it, to, to not either remember it or to not be put in situations that otherwise seem to trigger memories of it in hopes that they won't have to go through it anymore. The problem with that, though, is not only do they avoid those situations, circumstances, so they really can't learn, but even the reminder of the trauma causes them to question whether or not they really survived. Does that make sense when I say it that way? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Because automobile accident. Yeah. Very bad one. Yeah, horrible. Horrible accident. Somebody died. Maybe several somebodies. You thought you were going to die. It was going to kill you. But even if I remind you then, as a survivor, you have survived the accident. Yeah, you're alive. The reminder of it, the emotions and feelings, the way that we adapt to those kind of extreme stress, stressors, in this sort of broad way, generalized way, any reminder is going to cause you to question whether or not you survived. That's almost like doubling down on your misery it when it comes almost, to that. It can almost be questions as just like if there's just like a lucky one-time occurrence or just like if I got really lucky or just what, something like that. Uh, yes, and maybe you do attribute it to luck, random, but that certainly wouldn't do much to change your mindset or your paradigm. That any time that I get out in a car, I am going to run the risk, if not actually die. But then it'll generalize. As I was talking about earlier, it'll spread. So then any time that I leave the house, I start to have anxieties and fears that something is going to kill me. Yeah. Something is going to somehow destroy me. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It could be very nerve-wracking to feel as if someone wants to destroy you or something like that. And that's the whole point, right? Because if you get to that place where you start thinking of life in terms of death, yeah. we call that a failure identity. Yeah. It becomes part of your personality. Trauma can cause that to happen. But if you start at 5.5 years And you're already age, worrying, about, worrying about that problem. You're already primed. Yeah. You don't have to... It's not that you don't have to have a trauma. Yeah. Maybe... Everybody's got some degree of trauma they have to live through. But you may not have to have a trauma that measures in that sort of extreme way of an automobile accident and near life or death, near death, experience in life. But nonetheless, you're still going to spend your whole life not only yeah, waiting for something bad to happen, working. looking for something to happen, yeah. waiting for something, anticipating something bad to happen, but it'll start to define you. 
And what happens when you start to expect all the time something bad is happening or going to happen? Uh, maybe turn that a bit paranoid. It isn't that it always turns paranoid, but somebody's out there to make something bad happen to you. It can make you feel anxious. It's, just <laughs> not, it's another worry. Yes. What does it do to your life? What does it do to the things that you can do in life? What does it, it do just, to your development? It limits you. Really. How does it alter, you're right, alter the course of your normal development? Do you ever get to like yourself? Do you ever feel secure? Do you ever have those basic needs met sufficient to not be worrying about it? Do you get enough sleep at night? Are you constantly feeling upset and anxious? Is, are you in uh, survival mode all the time? The biochemistry, the norepinephrine and adrenaline is constantly flowing through your system. You, it's difficult to perform under that kind of stress, added stress, stress enough, something's going to happen. It doesn't have to be that traumatizing, but there's going to be something that's going to happen that can get collected in all of this. But if you add that to it, it's almost like a high wire do you know what a high wire act is? I, I do. I'm aware I've been been in the circus. People, but you know, like there's that. not as many circuses out no, there as there yeah, used to they're be. Not, they're going extinct. But when you start to realize you're whatever, 300 foot off the ground, yeah, it adds a, an extra, and on a really can be a worry. narrow platform, if not it's just windy. a wire. It's windy. Yes. All of a sudden, it begins to feel like if you there weren't is, worried enough about falling off the wire, it's your whole life word. is consumed with that. Hard to develop, hard to be creative, hard to actualize. That's a word that we like to use psychologically. So to know this, to identify this early enough to somehow differentiate it between just normal growth or development, that, that kind of childhood, adolescent sort of, all of that being very emotional, all of that being somewhat confusing, it would seem that that would be the time to intervene. That if you wait until it becomes part of your personality, it becomes much, much, much more difficult to alter or change. Yeah, it's just almost like at that point when it's part of your personality, it just almost feels like it's just too late and there's just there's no stopping it. If it happens that early, it's just too late. And I think with that, not only does it happen too late, that's a bit fatalistic, people can change, but generally speaking, it takes a crisis, another trauma. Most of the, the whenever there's been those times that I have um, sort of reinvented myself, I said that earlier, has been as a result of a major event. Yeah. It's a, major a stressful event an in my life. An occurrence. Yes. That's caused me to realize, wait a minute, maybe this isn't going to work quite the way that I'd hoped it would. Or wait a minute, I really wasn't prepared, prepared for that and maybe I need to make some changes. Not only in how I think, but just changes in general. Coping strategies, lifestyle, <laughs> with the idea of survival in mind. Yeah, just like just the idea of survival, and just you don't want to, you want to die. You just got to keep pushing through. Just get that get that idea going. I think that's why individuals who are experts do what I do for a living. We all realize trauma can either be the worst thing that could happen to you, or it can sometimes turn out to be the best thing. What is more important than the trauma? is how you cope with it and can you face it rather than running away from it, trying to avoid it. 
And would you have the supports you need so that when you're starting to feel the feelings, especially PTSD, where there are triggers to bring back the feelings and the thoughts that throw you back into that sort of fight or flight mode, which is really kind of a simple way of describing all of that, can you slow it down enough to face the emotions, the thoughts, and actually work through them to learn, to grow, to adapt, to modify, to come up with better answers or solutions? Yeah, it's if you can just like cope with them and just like hold on for a second and try to work through them instead of just completely shutting down and just not being able to handle it. But I do agree with you. Shutting down is the way you describe that. It's, it's very much when you're traumatized, Everything stops. You shut down. It's kind of like the normal stages, I think. I say normal. Stages of grief that we normally go through. The trauma itself always precipitates some stage of denial. We just are overwhelmed. Shock. We're in a shock kind of mode, which is sort of the equivalent of shutting down. We just don't want the person to, to remain shut down. Yeah, you just got to work through it and not just completely just crash and just shut down. So people come in and they talk about that. And in talking about that or working through that and learning how to manage the emotions sufficient to be able to then think about that, learn from that, maybe be able to reassure themselves at some level, yes, they are a survivor, it didn't kill me. That's all part of the recovery. Yeah, if you can just see that, like, oh, I'm okay. It was it really affected me, but it's not. I mean, maybe not as bad as they thought, or it's just okay. It happened. I'm still here. It's all right. If it happens again, I know I'm not going to die from it. So. And even if we would just say basically that it's a disease model in the sense that that it doesn't necessarily require so much the emphasis upon the psychosocial, the stuff that happens to us environmentally, or how we're kind of taught growing up. Life is about what life is about, yeah. or how, how secure it yeah. is, or insecure it is, yeah. or even how to cope. Maybe it's just biochemical. Sometimes people yeah. are born with that predispositions could, to it, yeah. yeah anxiety. Yeah. But it's bound to help you manage your anxiety better. Some additional yeah. sort of uh, analysis uh, from this study that we're uh, referencing here, Psychology Today. Sebastian Ocklenburg, PhD. The researchers analyzed nine mental health categories to identify conditions peak age and onset. Neurodevelopmental disorders, again, 5.5 years. Anxiety and phobias, 5.5 years. <laughs> Obsessive compulsive disorders, 14.5 years. Eating disorders, 15.5 years. Stress disorders, 15.5 years. Addiction, 19.5 years. Schizophrenia, 20.5 years. Personality disorders, 20.5 years. Depression and other mood disorders, 20.5 years. Now again, this is all anecdotal. This is just you and I being a consumer of research, right? Yeah, just reading it. Yes, yeah. reading the findings. And we're kind of theorizing, right? That's okay. We can hypothesize yeah, yes, based on can. the facts. Yeah, yeah. What can you take from just that, what I just read you? Um, I feel like just what he was saying, just from the whole study and just throughout that, is just that the earlier on, the uh, like the anxiety or the depression or whatever other mental uh, stuff that's going on, that affects you so early on 
that it could really be a detriment to your just the future if you don't uh, work through it or go get some help and just get it handled. Obviously, and I think that that was the intention of the article. But for me, what I also take from that is by overlaying or putting that on the normal developmental course, the emotional disorders outside of the neuro developmental disorders, which is just brain development in and of itself. There's some sort of problem with the organic development or the, the uh, development refinement of brain operations. Maybe it's physiologically based, probably more likely physiologically based. Maybe there's accident injury. 5.5 years, that becomes yeah. obvious yes. that, that the person's just not maturing. They're yeah. not able to do the cognitive work. Yeah. But the anxiety is an emotion. And it's at 5.5 years as well. But our first and primary operational system for all of us in terms of brain development, bodily development, is emotional operations. So you're going to have more predominance of emotional disorders at an earlier onset just because that's the primary operational system yeah, at, you're, you're, at that age. Yeah, your brain is still developing and such. But the obsessive-compulsive disorders, 14.5 years, that's probably the time that cognitive operations, yeah. higher executive cognitive functions, frontal lobe sort of activity, problem-solving, uh, anal and analyzing data, analytics, I guess would be the word, all of that doesn't come online until probably 14.5 years. So that's when you're going to see the onset of those kind of symptoms. Same thing with eating disorders. The brain's developed, but it's starting to take control in some sort of, I'll call it compensation or compensatory way to try to make you feel better. Eating disorders, stress disorders, you got more to think about, more to worry about, you're understanding things more. Addictions, another compensation. All of those kind of happen because yeah. that coincides with the level of physical, psychological yeah. development. Yeah, Cognitive yeah, brain. Yeah, still developing. Yeah. yeah. The, the brain's migrated to where it's supposed to be. That's finished. And mm -hmm. all those operational yeah. systems come online. Yeah. Now, for schizophrenia, personality disorders, and depression, personality disorders make sense, too, because that's about the time that you finally get to a sense yeah, of who really, you are. Yeah, who you are. But the schizophrenia and the depression probably has something to do with the fact that after <laughs> a lifetime of anxiety... Yeah, it could really lead to that. Yeah. It could add concurrent conditions, co-occurring, yeah. dual diagnosis kind of conditions. So, age of onset earlier than you think? Maybe, maybe not. It does make sense, yeah. the article. But certainly what makes most sense is if you know that a person is anxious, yeah. and at 5.5 years Pretty of young. age, Pretty young. you should probably ask... Yeah. Ask. Seek some professional input. Yeah. Some just, feedback. Yeah. Just see if they need help. Just see talk if they to them. Yeah. See if they need help. So, Sam, I don't know what we're going to talk about on the next podcast. We'll I bet we'll have a choice, though. Choices are choices. And in that same sort of way, I would hope that our listeners, right? Yeah. Would make the choice to come back and see which one you pick. Yeah. So, join us again for Word with Dave and Sam Clay.